Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cuba. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the Lackadaisical Libricularist. Today is TV Tuesday, combining the best of TVs and Tuesdays. <laughs> Something I like to say at the top of every show to cover my ass like so very much underwear is that there will be spoilers folks please please this is a spoiler warning you can choose to ignore it it's a free country assuming you are listening to this in one of many free countries it's recorded in a free country that country being canada sometimes people not living in canada will refer to it as canada incorrectly i might add Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. Oh, oh boy, no. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, as that is what helps others find the podcast. Thank you very much for those who have done so. It does not go unnoticed or unappreciated. Bada boom, bada bang. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related goodness. And that is today's sponsor, which is Fonzarelli's Shwarma Cafe and TV Repair. Once again, today's sponsor is Fonzarelli's Shwarma Cafe and TV Repair. Thank you very, very much to them. Today I have two. Count them. Well, you don't even have to count them, really, because there's only two. So, when I'm done talking about these two things, you will know there's two. So, counting is not an issue, really. Oh, boy. Two television programs. One that I'm going to start off with, that I have brought back a handful of times, and one that I have never brought back, as it was the pilot episode that I watched and am going to talk about. Item the first is Parks and Recreation. Uh, you know what? I didn't write down what season... What season is that? <laughs> is it the third season? Fourth season? Fifth season? I don't know. It is a season that is not the first and hopefully not the last because this show is goddamn hilarious. The uh, JPM ratio is very, very high. If you are unfamiliar with the JPM ratio, it is something that I believe I made up, but it stands for Joke Per Minute, and uh, this show has a very, very high JPM. It's high on the JPM scale. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. This was the season premiere, so uh, it's nice to see some of the shows that I watch come back. This, and I do believe Modern Family, which I plan on bringing back that season premiere as well. Uh, I think it's on this week, which means, just sort of a little behind-the-scenes action, that means I will watch it on the weekend because uh, I don't actually watch television shows when they are on the air, but rather I watch them on the Weeb, the Worldwide Weeb. In the case of both 
Parks and Recreation and Modern Family, the good people over at, give them a little plug, because they goddamn well deserve it, the good people over at City TV here in Canada, uh, post the the shows that appear on their television network on their website. So uh, very, very kind of them to do so, and it does not go unappreciated. It is very appreciated. I love it when TV channels do just that. So if you are unfamiliar with Parks and Recreation, or Parks and Rec, if you prefer the shortenized version, I'm not going to get into it too much, because time is of the essence. So I'm just going to hop right in to my notes and see what they say. <laughs> uh, this episode started off good in that uh, we have a finding out that someone is pregnant and a wedding in the first probably 120 seconds of the episode. So really friggin' packing it in here. That's something you would do, like, uh, a normal sort of sitcom-y rule, I think, would be to do that sort of story point in an entire season finale episode. But no, 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 Parks and Rec rather takes what many would, I think, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of boringly do in an entire episode uh, and crammed it into 120 seconds in the first in the season premiere. So, uh, ballsy maneuver, and it goddamn pays off, because it's what sort of sets shows like this apart, where they decide to do it this way, rather than the, rather than the norm, let's call it. Alright, folks, uh, I am going to have to take a brief break, a brief break, uh, to get a little, uh, go-go juice, which is what we call gasoline up here in Canada. Do not question that fact, just trust me, have I ever lied to you? Question mark? I will edit, edit, edit this out, and I'll be back in a moment with the rest of Parks and Rec Season 5. I kind of think it is, but I don't want to commit to that statement. Back in a moment. Editing. 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 On the road again. Road again. That was the extended On the Road Again remix. Thank you for that voice box. Uh, I think I did not actually say who was getting married and who was getting pregnant. <laughs> so perhaps should mention that. Ron Swanson, yes. Well, he's not pregnant. However, his significant other in the form of a Miss Lucy Lawless, a.k.a. goddamn Xena Warrior Princess, both preggers, and by the end of the first, you know, two minutes of this episode, married in a very, very brief, incredibly brief civil ceremony because they work in the Parks and Recreation Department of this town. They just had to head upstairs to where uh, marriage things take place and got her done. Got her done. <sighs> <laughs> I very, very much like the fact that Ron Swanson, quite possibly the manliest man in Manlyville and fictional character town, huh? Uh, is married to Xena Warrior Princess, quite possibly the only woman on the planet who could tame this wild beast. Yes. <laughs> Good stuff. Leslie Nope, played by Amy Poehler, star of the show, 
probably sort of the main character, right? uh, I think you would say, safely even. She's having a little problem in that uh, the good people of Pawnee, or I don't know if good people is a word I would use to describe the citizenry of this town, uh, want to recall her because she is currently mayor, I guess? Yeah, mayor. And uh, some shit has gone down in the previous season, which I will not get into, and uh, they're not too happy. But they are a fickle lot, these Pawneeans. In order to sort of win them back, she has a many-fold plan. One of the folds of said plan are uh, is titled, No Problem Too Small. So, regardless of your problem, whatever it is, you're going to come to Leslie Nope, and she's going to goddamn fix it for you. For example, if in front of your house there's a whole bunch of slugs, there's uh, there's more perhaps than the normal amount of slugs in in the front of your in, in front of your house. Well, come to Leslie and she's gonna goddamn fix your problems. She is getting a little fed up with these small problems. Being the mayor of a town and having to deal with slightly more than the normal amount of slugs in someone's lawn is uh, is not good. It's not a good use of your time. However, she does it. Uh, she eventually sort of reads, uh, reaches a bit of a breaking point, and then Aubrey Plaza, who plays... I forget the character's name. Anyways, Aubrey Plaza, who I love, lets Leslie know that she signed her up for this uh, kind of competition, sort of, kind of, sort of, in which she won, and won a trip to London, England in order to claim the prize of being one of the sort of best mayors in the world. Let's just, for the sake of argument, call it the best mayor in the world prize, awarded to five other women. Oh yeah, I think it was like a female, female-only prize thing. Mm. So that sets it up for the gang heading to London. And this is, again, this is sort of a end of season on a typical show let's take the show on the road and head to London kind of idea, but no. Instead, they do it in goddamn first episode, and jam it packed with all this other stuff. Having a bit of a defrost problem here, so you may or may not hear the defroster on, but I have to, because something suddenly happened where I cannot see out my window, and it is strange. Oh, that's better. <laughs> Anyways, Tom Haverford left behind, because he has to run his company called Rent-A-Swag. Rent-A-Swag, which is basically him renting out his swaggy... I don't know if that is a, a proper use of the word swag. His swaggy clothes. Uh, because he is a diminutive fellow, let's say, he rents them out to young men. <laughs> yes. Competition, though, has moved in and is forcing him out. Competition, we learn, in the form of Henry... Winkler, yeah, a.k.a. the Fonz. Although uh, I am a fair bit before Happy Days was on TV. It's a little before my time, is what I meant to say there. Big fan of Henry Winkler and anything comedy related. In fact, if you will go back quite a few TV Tuesday episodes, you will hear me talk of Children's Hospital, that television program in which Henry Winkler has um, some parts, and uh, I sort of talk a bit there, as I will here, that he's got some goddamn friggin' amazing comedy chops, this guy, and I uh, very much like him in anything comedy-related. 
The reason he is doing this is because his son, played by Ben Schwartz... Ben Schwartz, hey, again, if you've listened to many of these podcasts, you will have heard me gush repeatedly about Ben Schwartz. Uh, I'm just going to boil it down right now, my gushing, into saying that I have made the prediction to the missus and on the podcast several times that Ben Schwartz will be sort of the next big thing in comedy and will explode even more than he is already doing onto the comedy scene with epic proportions, because he is one of the funniest folken out there, period, full stop. Uh, yeah, so uh, Ben Schwartz plays Henry Winkler's son, who, for some reason, told his father, he plays just the biggest douche in this, the, the king of all douches, told his father that uh, Tom sort of edged him out of this business, Tom is actually, coincidentally, dating, or was at one point dating, Henry Winkler's daughter in this, who plays probably one of the biggest douchettes in fictional history. Uh, she, for some reason, told <laughs> told her father, Henry Winkler, that Tom took a bunch of credit cards out in her name and uh, racked up a shit ton of charges, neither of which actually happened. But Henry Winkler vowed revenge in the form of edging him out of this business. That's where that story is kind of sitting at this point. Over in Jolly Old, Andy, Andy Dwyer, who is yet another character, along with Ben, who is Leslie Nope's husband, are meeting with one of the Lords of London, some sort of Lord, royalty, royalty dude, uh, in order to hopefully get him to help with their charity work. I'm, I'm sort of boiling it down in an effort to fit this in on my drive to work, but that's basically what it is. Uh, it turns out that Andy and this lord share in common that they're both basically kids trapped in bodies. A little, uh, I believe they call it Peter Pan syndrome, which I kind of think potentially, uh, possibly, I have a dusting of in that... One of my, uh, I don't want to say life theories, but I just did. And that is, uh, you're only young once, but you can be immature forever. <laughs> now, I don't take that to extremes, but, you know, still lo love a good cartoon and video games and do not want to have kids and things of that nature. So perhaps I have a dusting, as Adam Carolla would say, of the uh, Peter Pan don't want to grow up syndrome. Perhaps. Which may be evidence in these podcasts with some of the things I bring back and talk about. Hey, it's possible. I'm not going to deny it outright. Uh, that storyline sort of ends with Andy being offered a three-month job in London with this lord just because they get along so well, running sort of the businessy part of this, this charity, whatever's. <laughs> Being very vague, but it don't matter. And if you are at all, this is amazing for me, because if you were at all familiar with Andy Dwyer, he is in sort of fictional character verse of stupid people. He is pretty high up there. I'd say in the sort of Easily top ten of dumb people, Andy Dwyer is in that list. I think he's going to stay in London, which is interesting, with this lord. Oh, you know what I meant to do and didn't do, but this is the name curse rearing its ugly head. The name curse brought about when I ran over a gypsy man 
while receiving a blowjob, and the gypsy man's wife cursed me with the inability to remember names or write them down. Hmm. The guy who played the Lord is a pretty famous British actor, um, and I don't know what his name is. Okay, one part of this London trip that I didn't quite get, they did explain it, but I, I think I wasn't paying attention or something, was that Ron Swanson is there, and the reason he was there was something to do with the their honeymoon, because he just got married. However, Lucy Lawless, a.k.a. Xena, a.k.a. Ron's now wife, was not there, and they explained it, um, and I suppose they explained it briefly enough that I missed the explanation as to why he was there on his honeymoon alone. He is extremely patriotic. Um, to a ridiculous degree, mm, let's just say patriotic to an American degree. Uh, yeah, and leave it at that. So he wasn't having the best time in London until Leslie, knowing Ron, sort of gave him a itinerary to follow that would allow him to have a, a good time, which basically involved going to pubs and then eventually to a distillery where they made booze booze, which he is a big fan of. Scotch, I do believe. So I like that. Some uh, some fun scenes involving that. I do believe that will end her for now. Hey, how about that? Fit it in on the way to work with uh, time to spare, technically, but not a lot of time to spare. So what I'm going to do is stop for now, go into work, and do eight hours of said work, I will edit out that time so you don't have to listen to eight hours of silence. You're welcome. And then I will be back to talk about... Ooh, why don't I tease it? It doesn't really make sense to tease something that I'm going to, from your point of view, be talking about in several seconds. But I do it anyways. <sighs> I'm going to be talking about Marvel, colon, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, did I say that title right? Yes. <laughs> Marvel, colon, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming up after this break. That'll leave the final thing to say, which is quite often the final thing to say, which is... Oh. My. Love. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! Back! We are back! Back in action! Hello again! I am waiting at the goddamn turn that takes me friggin' forever sometimes, and I have a feeling that this is one of the times that I am going to take a long time. Okay, well... Just cut off these pedestrians, run over this baby carriage. Okay, we are flying along now. I think what I should do in an effort to not have to rush like a rooster with its head chopped off, huh? Huh? Not a chicken. No. We decided, and this is the podcast we, we decided a long time ago, or weeks ago, that we're going to say a rooster with its head chopped off to indicate frantic motion because a rooster's, you know, it's not as fat, um, they use them in fights, so quite often they got some, some muscles on them, and uh, probably, you can imagine, 
that if you were to chop off a rooster's head and to chop off a chicken's head, the rooster is just going to be a little more lively, right? Right. I teased for you moments ago, for me hours ago, that I was going to talk about Marvel, colon, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is just what I'm going to do. So, you know, I'm not a liar. Don't goddamn well say I am. The potential, I, I guess you would say, head of this team that is being built is Agent Phil. Phil Connors? No. That's from that's from Groundhog Day. Yes. Which is, just on that note, I try to, whenever I mention a movie, give a rating, especially a movie like Groundhog Day, which gets a 5 out of 5. Mm, actually, Groundhog Day, 6 out of 5. Yeah, we're going to break the scale on that movie. That is sort of the perfect movie for me. Anyways, back into S.H.I.E.L.D. and the building of a team. Sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of like the Avengers initiative that was uh, headed by Samuel L. Jackson. This is that to a kind of lesser degree, now that I think about it. Does that mean it's going to be not as interesting? No, I don't necessarily think that's the case. You can't have friggin' superheroes battling to save the Earth every single day, it just doesn't make sense to do that. You need to tone it down and perhaps have a slow build. So I think potentially that is what is going to happen here. Agent Phil in the role of Samuel L. Jackson. Now something interesting about that is that in the Avengers movies, if you are unaware, he died. Yeah, so... The fact that this is after those events and he is alive is interesting. Uh, I'm going to throw out a prediction. I've done this before in other sort of TV Tuesday related things, and it's always been things that are sort of already on the air that I could have cheated at by reading spoilers and then saying predictions to look smart. <laughs> now, I want to tell you that I haven't done that, but in this case it's impossible for me to say this spoiler with looking ahead because there's only been one episode so and my prediction is that there's been sort of a little foreshadowing with regards to agent phil and that foreshadowing i think is indicating that he is a robot yep i know it's a little crazy but i do believe he is like a robot or an android if you will uh, the only sort of thing that is leading me to believe that is uh, a couple of the people on the team sort of had a whispered conversation with one another, something along the lines of, yeah, can you believe he doesn't even know? And he can never know, and sort of whispered like that. And I've seen that before where androids thinking they are human, if told that they are androids, uh, shit goes awry and they quite often go crazy and kill everyone. So, you know, that's just a thought. If it turns out to be a correct thought, I'm going to look pretty smart. If it doesn't, uh, I'm going to pretend that I was drunk. Although I'm driving, so it's probably not a good idea to pretend that. Hey, boy. So, what I've done, uh, which I think makes sense, is sort of uh, written down the members of this team and uh, sort of how they're fitting into place as far as this first episode is going. Uh, the first one is... Oh, shit. I don't... <laughs> uh, okay, no, never mind. 
I was going to say that I don't remember if I wrote down the actors' names or the characters' names, but uh, looking ahead, uh, it turns out I wrote down just the character names and not the actors who are playing them. Uh, professional of me, it would have been to do both if I ever did this podcast somehow, some way for a living, and not while driving to and from work, I would do it in front of a computer with access to the internet, where I could have this readily available to me. But uh, that is not the case. So, the first person I'm going to mention is Melinda May, who is the pilot. She put that in quotes, I do believe, because she is piloting, or rather driving, quite often, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, bus, as Agent Phil calls it. It's like a pretty souped-up spy-type bus, which is, you know, cool, but are you still a pilot if it doesn't leave the ground? I don't know. She's also a weapons expert and a bit of a badass, and uh, haven't really delved, delved, huh, too much into her character but I get the feeling she's going to be kind of one of those badass, grumpy folks that you don't want to rub the wrong way. That kind of uh, vibe I'm getting off of her so far, which I, I like. I like one of those in the group because that combined with people who are happy-go-lucky and jokes all the time, when you get them in the same room together, it's quite often amusing. And my eternal struggle for shits and or giggles is helped by interactions such as that. Uh, our next person who is was sort of just introduced to this whole S.H.I.E.L.D. lifestyle, his name is Brett Delton. He's uh, sort of the pretty boy of the group, as I'm going to describe him. Mm -hmm. Comes from a black ops kind of background. He apparently does not get along well with others. So again, that sort of gruff exterior with uh, an underlying not gruff interior. Uh, I like something they did with his character, and that was Agent Phil, the leader of the group, at one point during this episode, injected this dude with a truth serum, a truth serum, serum that is, like, super, super powerful. So, uh, that was good because it gave him, it gives Brett Delton another sort of dimension to his character. Uh, you could potentially think he's just a bit of an asshole, but then once injected with this truth serum, <laughs> shit sort of comes to the surface that makes him feel more human. And that is that is a smart maneuver, and I very much like it. Next is Sky, S-K-Y-E. Mm -hmm. She is the hot nerd girl. I do not goddamn mind in any show, a hot nerd girl. I know that may surprise you, but I like it. And she definitely is fitting into that category. Uh, she's a hacker. Uh, <laughs> spoke a little bit. There was one sort of, again, this just sort of little thing that pops out that gives the hacker nerd girl perhaps a little more to a personality than would otherwise be apparent. And that is that... She did um, some cosplay in front of Iron Man's building at one point to try to get his attention. <laughs> so it's just a little twist like that that makes you uh, appreciate these characters even more. There's Fitz and Simmons. That is a little gimmicky, but I goddamn love it because they're first introduced as Fitzsimmons, then we 
sort of learn that they are actually two people, Fitz and Simmons. They are kind of a nerdy team. Uh, have the feel of a sort of brother and sister, a sort of long-married couple who are used to working with each other and are sort of just like, oh boy, you know him. Or, oh boy, you know her. Along that kind of line. Uh, so I, I think they may be there potentially for a sort of comic relief a little bit. So that's kind of the, the vibe I got from the first episode so far. But you never know. Anything can kind of happen. They are sort of scientific. Uh, I th think if I do... Again, they, they didn't touch too much on these two in the first episode. Uh, I think the guy was more into science-y things. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the girl was more into science-y, weapon-y things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could I be less vague? Probably. Don't tempt me. So this episode, which I should perhaps mention a little bit, yeah, uh -huh, started off with J. Augusto Richards III. That is perhaps not a name you will recognize, and I actually didn't know his name, but he played Charles Gunn in one of my favorite television programs of all time, a little show by the name of Angel. He was uh, super good in that. And uh, has done, I looked at his IMDB page, and he's done quite a bit of work between then and now, just things that I haven't seen him in specifically. And uh, I don't think he's going to be in this for the long haul. He just sort of had, like, a guest appearance. This was kind of interesting, his guest appearance, in that if you listen to yesterday's Movie Monday episode, I talked a little bit about a formula that appeared in the Iron Man 3 movie that, when ejected into you, would create a sort of badass, super soldiery, super hot, and by that I mean temperature-wise, thing, guy, people, huh? Uh, so I think he was sort of injected with that kind, sort of, kind of, sort of. Uh, it had that sort of feel. So potentially that is a plot point from Iron Man 3 that is going to make appearances within this television show. And that's kind of cool that these writers, uh, I guess it's lucky for them. Yeah, sure. Lucky for them that they have such a giant universe of uh, Marvel canon that they can pull from at will, seemingly. So uh, I, I like that thought. And it's very interesting. I hope they don't use it as a crutch or... The pulls that they make from Marvel canon are deep pulls, things that kind of no one's ever heard of. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thought, perhaps. Question mark? So, um, he's using this formula, as we'll just call it. He's super, super strong. However, as in the movie Iron Man, will potentially um, explode and kill everyone around him, including his young son. Starts out with that kind of thought of, I'm going to do good, rescues people from a burning building. Uh, this formula, which I don't think it did in the Iron Man movie, at least I don't recall, sort of amped up his temper as well, and that sort of interacted with his blowing up potential. So the angrier that he got, the more likely he was going to explode. Uh, I will say that the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. saved the day. <laughs> I know. Kel Surprise. Pilot episode, and they didn't all die. Is that really a spoiler? Come on. Come on. 
getting kind of near home, so I should wrap this up. Uh, I think I did pretty good with not really giving anything away, which, you know, hey, why not do it that way? I will, I do believe, potentially bring back more episodes. Uh, sort of on that note, I will say I very, uh, very, gonna go ahead and throw in one more very much liked this show. Uh, I think it is doing very well with critics and fan alike, and uh, I can easily understand why that is the case. It's sort of like a really good combination of you got some sci-fi, you got your superhero in the mix, obviously, and then what I think brings it all together is dollops here and there of comedy. They are not taking themselves 100% seriously 100% of the time, which I think will cause this show to go on more than others would. I don't know how heavily Joss Whedon is involved with this. I know he is involved, so that's something. Hopefully evolved, involved to a very, very high degree. And I think it is safe to say that you can definitely see his sort of touches on things. Things such as how um, Brett Dalton was injected with that truth serum. I would not be surprised if he, Joss Whedon, had a hand in that idea to sort of give this sort of gruff exterior guy who's a little douchey and assholey um, more to his character. It seems a Joss Whedon-y thing to do. Some of the dialogue can perhaps be seen to be Whedon-esque, which he is sort of famous for. And probably a number one hints of his influence on the show are those dollops of comedy that make it more fun and I think even perhaps more importantly than more fun, which I can't believe I'm saying, more realistic because life, even if it is friggin' having to do with superheroes, is not all doom and gloom. You need to have, despite the fact that you're working for S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, occasional bouts of the odd joke here and there. Very, very important. I don't so much give ratings for television shows, really, but I am going to say pilot episode of Marvel colon Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't really like that title, I don't think. Eh, on the one hand, it tells you what the show is, <laughs> very much. Anyways, uh, rating, I'm going to go 5 out of 5. Yeah, no, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Easy for me to say that. Uh, that Parks and Rec pilot episode, again, don't normally or often rate TV shows as I do with movies or video games or books. I don't know why that is. It just doesn't uh, seem to make as much sense. Anyways, Parks and Rec, also 5 out of 5. So, had a good, uh, a good TV week. I will, most likely next TV Tuesday, have a modern family. And, ooh, you know what I might do too? I'm about to get home momentarily. And the missus and I just finished season six of Dexter. Every single season of Dexter we have watched together, I have brought back at least the first couple of episodes. So I will potentially do that as well. Yeah, let's say I will. Yeah, let's say I'm going to do that. I like bringing back just the first two because that way I can do as I did today and uh, give out my predictions. Ooh, this is perhaps a spoiler if you've listened to every single episode I've ever done, which I'm not sure if anyone like that exists. My prediction of season six of Dexter was 
goddamn spot on and accurate to the very last scene. So I'm pretty proud of myself for that. Gonna give myself a little pat on the back. That was not a humble brag. That was just an actual brag. I don't get to brag about myself very often, so when I do, I gotta goddamn well take advantage. Yep. Yep, yep. Folks, that will leave. One final thing to say, which is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.